We are in week two of a three-week message series uh, that I have decided to call Gone Fishing. Uh, The main text that we're using really as foundation for this message series is Mark chapter 1, verse 7. And it's in this scene where Jesus uh, is talking to the early disciples and he says, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, Some of your translations will say, I'll teach you uh, to be fishers of men. So last week we talked about what being a fisher of men means. Uh, What does it look like for our lives as individuals, uh, as the church? What does that look like in our culture today? And as we look to God's word, we see that every person has a call to follow Jesus. And we we talked about how following Jesus, if you you think about discipleship, really a great explanation, a great definition of that is uh, learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. So as we go to God's word and and we look at the life of Jesus, uh, we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. We apply uh, those truths to our lives. We also talked about how the mission that God has given us is to fish. The mission is to fish. You know, there are people that I believe with all of my heart that are in your circle of influence. Uh, the people that you interact with every day, whether that's family, friends, coworkers, people that are in your circle of influence that God is calling you to influence and invite to Christ and His church. You know, there's an urgency as well behind this, this message, this call, this, this mission. Uh, there's an urgency. And I, I believe that the right time for us as individuals, the right time for us as a church to be active in this mission is, is in this time and in this place. There's an urgency to the call. There's an urgency to the mission, and the time is now. So today, I, I want to build off of what we talked about last week. You know, we said that being a fisher of men means that we influence and invite. Influence and invite. We're going to talk about that a lot, and I hope that as you drive home, it's stuck in your head. Influence and invite. Influence and invite. And it's so important, the call and the mission that we have. It's important that we allow God to use us to influence the people that are in our lives. I would call that our circle of influence. And that we allow God to use our lives to teach people and to show people who Jesus is. That that would be a general calling, a general mission for all believers. If you're in Christ, uh, one of your general callings is to be fishers of men. You know, I want to build again off of this idea today by expanding on that idea of influencing and inviting uh, by adding a word that I believe is so important. And here it is. Um, if you would like to take notes, you can. Um, but this is, this is really where we're headed today. That you, as an individual and as a church, that you are uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite others to Christ and His church. You are uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite others to Christ and His church. I believe with all of my heart that every person here is uniquely made by God. And by being the person that He has created you to be, you can uniquely influence the lives of others for Jesus. You can also uniquely invite others to know the Jesus who has changed your life. The key there is uniquely because you have been uniquely made. You know, being a fisher of men is, is an intentional mission that we've been given. And being effective with this mission starts with a clear understanding, a clear picture of who God is and who we are as individuals and as the church um, in Christ. It starts with understanding of of who God is and who we are in Christ. So I'd like to open with a word of prayer this morning, and then we're going to start to unpack and talk about this truth, um, that every person is uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite others to Christ and His church. Let's pray. Father, um, 
as, as I've thought about this message this week and I've prayed about this message this week, I know that um, you have a purpose, that you have a plan and a purpose for all of our lives. As we talk about the mission, I pray that we would sense the urgency, that we would be a church that gets serious about the mission that you've given us. And as we talk about this truth today, that every person has been uniquely created by God, um, that despite what other people say about us or even how we have felt about ourselves in the past, that God, you would just show us again and that we are loved and we are valued by you. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul, uh, Paul, thank you for sharing the scripture this morning. Uh, that's a hard thing to do sometimes, to get up and, and, and talk in front of people, but I appreciate every time you guys do that. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 is really, uh, kind of the, really the foundation uh, verses for today. And you can follow along on the screen. We're going to reread those this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this. Um, it says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. You know, I love the book of Ephesians. I absolutely love it. It was written by the Apostle Paul, a man who literally oversaw the persecution of of the early church. Um, He did that until he had an extraordinary encounter with Christ. And we know, many of us know, that uh, Paul's name used to be Saul, but God changed his life. And because of that life change, he had a new mission, he had a new call, a new purpose in his life. So in this particular letter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church that's located in Ephesus. And his purpose in writing this letter um, was to help strengthen uh, the faith of fellow believers and to encourage them in their faith. And he he chose to try to accomplish this uh, by doing two things. And we see that in the book of Ephesians. It's really a book that, a letter that's divided in two. In the first half of Ephesians, uh, you see that Paul addresses a very important aspect of our faith, and that is who we are in Christ. As followers of Jesus, who we are in Christ. And the second part is about what we should do as followers of Christ. It's more about our conduct and our behavior, how we live our lives. So Paul's encouraging uh, the local church. He's saying, remember, remember these truths. This is who you are in Christ. And as you claim that identity, you you claim that promise. This is how you behave. This is how you live your life for Jesus. You know, last week was really more about um, how we live our lives. It was about more uh, more about what we do, the the mission that we have, the mission to fish for people. That's what we do. Uh, But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is a great reminder about who we are, again, as individuals and as the church, as God's most prized creation. I don't know if you knew that or not, but Scripture teaches that we are God's most prized creation above all other, other created things. That you are God's most prized creation, His most prized possession. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 reminds us that every single person is 100% unique. There's no one like you in the entire world. I was thinking about it this week. Even if you're like John and Jeff and you're a twin, there's nobody else like you in the entire world. You are, you are so unique. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So the question becomes this then. If, if we are unique and we believe that, then how we influence and invite people to Jesus will be unique as well. I believe that. You could say it this way. Because we're all uniquely made, we all have a unique fishing style that helps us uniquely influence and invite. 
So what I want to do this morning is I want to go uh, to God's word. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to wrestle with that. This idea that um, we all have our own unique fishing style. If we're called to be fishers of men and we're uniquely created by God to influence and invite, then how we do that will be unique. So we're going to look at uh, the life of Jesus through a few stories and see how he modeled some unique fishing styles that I believe uh, for many of us, we're going to leave here today just encouraged, excited. We're going to find a fishing style that uh, is, is right for us. So the first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Fishing style number one, when it comes to our mission of fishing for men, is relational. In John chapter 1, verse 7 through 10, this is a scene that many of us are familiar with. Uh, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman at a well. And this is what we read. Um, John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift... God has for you, and who you're speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. You know, this particular story continues for another 16 verses, and we could have read it in its entirety today. I, I would encourage you to go home and read it if you have time. But it's during the, the, these remaining verses that Jesus continues talking at length with this woman. You know, she hasn't figured out that the living water that Jesus is referring to is not the physical water that she has gone to the well to, to retrieve. Jesus talks about how our physical thirst in life, we, we all know this, right? Our physical thirst is quenched for a short time after drinking physical water. But the type of water that Jesus offers, this, this living water, will permanently quench a different kind of thirst that every single person has. Every person. So as they continue talking, Jesus lets her know that he knows things about her that a, a normal stranger wouldn't know. He, he talks about how she's had five husbands over the years, and how she's not even married to the guy that she's currently with. You see, what happens is Jesus gets past surface-level conversation, and he helps her recognize that she's been extremely thirsty for such a long time, not for just physical water, but for fulfillment and purpose in her life. See, she's been trying to find that fulfillment through unhealthy relationships, and every time she's left wanting more of something that she's never had. Just like our bodies hunger and thirst every day, so do our souls. And it's possible that the Samaritan woman had confused the two types of water, the type of water that she went to achieve and the type of living water that Jesus was talking about because no one had ever talked with her about this spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst that every person has. So Jesus reveals to her for the very first time that he's the one who can provide the kind of fulfillment and the kind of purpose that she's been looking for her entire life. He tells her later on that he's the Messiah, and that only he can offer the kind of hope and nourishment that can truly satisfy a person. So she ends up sharing this encounter. I imagine we all would. She ends up sharing this encounter uh, with other people, and God's Word says that many people believed that day because of her testimony, because of this extraordinary encounter that she had with Christ. I believe that the fishing style that we see Jesus model in this story is a relational one. It's all about getting to know people through meaningful conversation 
Uh, the, the relational fishing style is all about sharing your life with someone else, taking the time to be present in the lives of people when others won't. And getting to know someone past surface-level conversation. You know, I've had the chance to talk with so many of you, whether we've met in your home or here at church or at ministry team leader meetings or whatever the case is. And so many of you, I see that you're, you're extremely relational people. And I believe for many of you, this would be your fishing style. You love talking with neighbors. You, you love talking with coworkers or family, friends, and you love spending time with peers. And if that's you, if you're here today and you'd say, you know, I'm a highly relational person. I would encourage you to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus from this particular encounter. Uh, spend time praying about and, and focusing on, on meaningful conversation and look for opportunities to share about the spiritual hunger and thirst that every person has. Look for opportunities to share about how, how Jesus is the only one who provides that kind of nourishment in a person's life. If you're a relational person this morning, if you thrive on relationships, I would say that this is probably your fishing style. And I would encourage you again to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. Seek out those opportunities to invest in the lives of people. So that's the first fishing style, relational. The second one is this. Uh, number two is what I call gatherings. All right? um, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, um, Jesus is seen eating with, with sinners. All right? This is such an amazing story. We'll start in verse 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew. So here's Matthew again. We've talked about Matthew a few times. Uh, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now remember, Matthew is a Jewish man who was hired by the Romans to be a tax collector in a particular part of the city. Um, he, he collected taxes from his own people. And we know that he gave that, those resources and that money to a cause that was not his own. A cause that I believe was, was an evil cause. We also know from extra-biblical evidence, from historians and theologians alike, that he would have also taken a commission from what he collected, and even, uh, at times, overtaxed people, and then kept the remainder from that. Matthew's a bad dude, all right? He's not a guy that you want hanging out with your kids, or, or bringing home to mom and dad. All right? He's not that kind of guy. So let's read on in verse 10. It says, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. And this is really where the whole gathering thing starts, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now, that word disreputable, it literally means that they had, that their reputation was tarnished. All right, these people would have looked in a way that people didn't want to hang out with them. They would have probably smelt funny. All right, um, their character would be in question. Uh, people didn't hang out with these people. They were disreputable sinners. That was their label. How would you like to have that label in life? That's how these people were labeled. And, and in verse 11 it says, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why do your teachers eat with such scum? You know, I believe that if Jesus was concerned about his reputation with the religious leaders, um, this interaction, this gathering would have completely tarnished his reputation. All right? It would have hurt his image. It would have hurt his stock. But Jesus didn't care about what other people thought. He wasn't there for anybody's approval but God. And this is an extremely biblical truth. The Apostle Paul learned this from Jesus. He learned this lesson. And then when he wrote to the church in the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says this. He's just stirring stuff up, I believe. That's the kind of guy Paul is. All right? He's just stirring the pot. Here's what he says. Obviously... I'm not trying to win the approval of people. 
but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. For some of you, that's the message that you need to hear today. You know, I find myself uh, in a season like this many times in my life where, where I, I do the things to try to win the approval of people, especially in a role like this. But I, I've been renewed this week and excited to just let you guys know that I'm not here for your approval. <laughs> I'm here for God's approval. And in your life, that should be the truth as well. That whatever it is that you do, whatever work, whatever family interactions, whatever trips you take, whatever it is, we're not here for the approval of people ultimately. Now, if you were to ask me truthfully, do I like having the approval of people? I do, you know, and that's probably a downside. I, I tend to be a, a peacemaker and I, I tend to be someone that likes to see people come together instead of divide. And there's, I think there is a biblical precedence for that. But when it comes to how we live this mission, how we uh, use the gifts that God's given us and how we engage people to influence and invite, our concern should not be the approval of people. Again, I see that. I see that a lot. You know, there's so many different preaching styles, um, so many different types of way that, that ministers go about uh, sharing the word of God. But I just see a huge attack on the church today because um, I, I do believe that pastors are, are more concerned about um, tickling people's ears than preaching the good news. And, and again, I think we can get creative with how we share the gospel. There's creativity behind, you know, with that. But we have to have our, our roots 100% in Scripture. And we can't be concerned about pleasing people. So Paul, again, stirring the pot, he's just learned this lesson from Jesus. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You know, Jesus himself was not afraid to reach out to people who were living in sin. I believe, and this is probably, again, another controversial topic, maybe for another day, but I believe that Jesus was not afraid to go to the places that would be considered taboo in his culture to interact with and be around the people who were far from God. Jesus wasn't afraid, and we shouldn't be afraid as well to reach out to people. Understanding, understanding our limits. We all, have, we all know that about ourselves. We know what our, our personal limits are, and God knows that as well. Verse 12 will continue. When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus modeled that the mission is to reach the sick, not people who believe that they already have their lives together. You know, I, I was thinking about this this week. I really do believe this is the perfect season to have gatherings in our own homes. Right, this is the perfect season. It's football season. The weather is getting cold. People love coming together when food's in, involved. Amen. I'm in that category, all right? So if you're here today and the idea of gatherings sounds fun to you, this might be your fishing style. A word of encouragement as well as maybe a word of caution, though. Um, when you do have people over to your house, I would encourage you, be intentional about also inviting people who are not church people. You know, certainly 100% invite church people, invite your friends, your family, but also invite non-church people. Be intentional about that. Invite people, uh, church people, but also non-church people. Um, Luke chapter 14, verse 12, 13, and 14. We read these words. It says, Then he turned to his host. But when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not 
repay you. I would also add this for all the men in the room, specifically all the husbands in the room. Don't throw a hissy fit when it's time for people to come over to the house. All right? I know sometimes when it's time to have people over, that's a hard thing. You know, it's kind of outside your comfort zone. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 9, uh, you can read on the screen. Uh, I should have underlined this first word. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Cheerfully. I, I see the same idea here as, as, as when we're called to, to be generous and, and give. You know, don't do so from a, a reluctantly or from a place of compulsion. Give from a place of joy, a place of gratitude. I would say that when we have people into our homes, it's the same type of thing. Don't do so reluctantly or under compulsion, not because you have to. Do so from a place of joy. Do so cheerfully. Be excited about that, about opening up your home to people and using gatherings as a way to fish for men. So if the idea of hosting gatherings sounds exciting to you, this might be your fishing style. And again, this time of year is a great time to bring people together. Be intentional about your gatherings, but also have fun. Be yourself and allow God to use you and stretch you in ways that only he can. Invite church people, but also invite non-church people. So the second fishing style is gatherings. The third one that we're going to talk about today, and again, these aren't an extensive list. There are many more when we look at the life of Jesus. The fishing style number three is two words, um, caring and serving. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, we'll talk about the idea of caring first. Um, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, uh, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know, I believe that one of the best ways to be fishers of men is to care for people. Uh, both believers and non-believers alike. And we, we have so much evidence in the New Testament, New Testament especially, about our role to care for fellow believers, care for other people who um, are brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's also a precedent to care for non-believers as well. And I was thinking about this this week, about how we care about people in our church. And I had the idea, what if we were known in our community as the most caring church around I mean, really, you know, some churches thrive in, in giving and, and serving, and, and, and I think we do great in both of those areas. But what if we were known by our community as the most caring church around? What if we made it part of our mission to care for people, especially when they're struggling with issues of faith or hurting because of life's situations? I, I believe this with, with all of my heart, that every person is created with a deep need and desire for relationships. I think everybody here would agree with that this morning. That's something that has been hardwired into the fabric of who we are as image bearers of God. We need relationships. We need people in our lives. That's a need that we have. And we should never allow ourselves to, to get into a season where we believe the lie that we don't need the help of other people, that we're, we're too independent for that. That's a miserable way to live. And I would also say the flip side of that as a church and as individuals, we should never get, allow ourselves to, to get into a season where we believe the lie that we don't have to help other people or care for other people. That, that's, that's, that's false as well. So what if we made it a part of our mission just to, to care for people, people who are struggling with faith, struggling with, with life? As the body of Christ, I believe that we only function in the way that we're called to function and that we've been and intended to function when we work together to care for the needs of other people. 
I've talked with our elders quite a bit, and I said, you know, I wasn't here prior to two months ago, but I feel like the care temperature in our church is rising, that we are, are intentionally focusing on the needs of our people and the needs of others, that we're caring for people and that we're serving people. And that's part of what we've been called to do. And I would encourage them with that. And I would encourage you with that, that allow that care temperature to keep rising. You know, be, uh, be, be the influence for other people in that area. As the body of Christ, we only function in the way that we were intended when we work together to care for the needs of others. And Jesus modeled this in his own life. He shows us what this looks like. He shows us how to live that out. So that's caring. The other side of that is serving. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse uh, 42 through 45 says this. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We see this in our culture every single day, right? Just turn on the news and you see it. doesn't matter what political party you're involved with. It doesn't matter. We, we see that everywhere, that people will take advantage of the authority that they've been given and the position they've been given. But it says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. I believe that's one of the places we get the idea of servant leadership and also the life of Christ. And then it says, whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, Jesus' heart and the way that he lived his life was all about serving other people. His motivation for serving, hear this, his motivation for serving was people. He modeled what it meant to love God and to love others by the way that he lived his life and by the way that he fulfilled his mission here on earth. And we've talked about how every person is uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite others to Christ. And one of the, way that we, one of the ways that we do that is by using the unique gift or gifts that we've been given to care for and serve other people, to be involved uh, in, in mission and ministry in and through the local church. You know, I've talked with our elders about this and some of our ministry team leaders. Um, we want to be a church that provides an opportunity for every person to have a platform to serve by using the unique gift or gifts that God has given them. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. Some of you know about this already. We've got some things we're talking about that we can't necessarily share with you yet. You're going to have to just wait a little longer. But we're so excited about talking about ways that we can help the church, that we can help you guys individually discover your unique gifts, and that we can begin to look at the landscape of, of mission and ministry in our church and find ways to help every person plug in and uh, significant, significantly uh, into a way to serve in the church. So we want to help people discover their gifts, and we want to help people serve. So, and as we focus on, on member involvement, as we focus on what's taking place with, with whether you're a short-term member or a long-term member, as we talk about ways for spiritual growth and numerical growth, as we talk about outreach, and then as we talk about, um, again, spiritual and numerical growth, I, I'm, I'm so excited about all the things that God is going to be doing in our church over the next 12 months, but I'm excited about what he's doing right now, the things that I'm seeing every single day, whether it's in small groups, Sunday school classes, um, whether it's with ministries that are serving together, um, just a, a, a reorganizing of, of people and energy and excitement it is it is so awesome to see. I'm excited about what God's doing right now. And I would say if you're, if you're here today and caring for people, if caring for people and, and serving others with your time or your gifts um, sounds exciting to you, if, if you hear that and just right off the top that you know, caring for people, serving for people, meeting people's needs sounds exciting to you, that, that might be your primary fishing style. 
That might be a way that God wants to, wants to use you and get you involved um, day in and day out, week in and week out. And there are ways here in the local church and with parachurch organizations and just in your, your everyday life that God wants to use you to influence and invite others to Christ and the church through the way that you care for and serve people. You know, there's so many more fishing styles that are modeled by Jesus. Uh, one that I really wanted to share this week, but we're going to run out of time, is the testimonial fishing style or sharing your testimony. Uh, we see uh, just the story in Scripture where you have the blind man and Jesus uh, heals him. And long story short, Jesus sticks some mud on his eyes and the guy is healed. It's kind of a weird interaction. But when, when questioned by the Pharisees of who did this and why did it happen, um, he, he doesn't really have all the answers. He just says, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see. I would say this, if you like to share your story, and I would encourage everybody to think about that, sharing how, how you've had an encounter with Christ and how God has changed your life. You don't have to have all the answers to the universe. We don't see that in, in Scripture. In fact, Jesus didn't talk over people. He, he didn't think that he was the smartest guy in the room by any means. He didn't talk over people. He, he really talked in a way that people could understand and apply those truths to their lives. And your story is unique. What God has done in your life is unique. Not everybody's going to have a road to Damascus story like the Apostle Paul. Some of you might have. I know many people who have. You know, some of you might have been raised in the church your entire life. And that's part of your story. And that can be an extremely effective testimony. So another way, with, you know, another fishing style would be sharing your story. Sharing your testimony. What God has done in your life. And I would say it doesn't even have to be past tense. You can talk about things that God is doing right now, how he's helped you get through certain struggles or, or addictions or how he's brought your family together or how he's used you in the, in the church and, and whatever it is. Just be mindful of what God's doing. Look for those God sightings. You know how God's been active and involved in your life. So again, there are many more fishing styles, but the important thing is that we continue to learn from Jesus to live like Jesus and that we uh, begin to understand and live out the mission that he's given us, the mission to fish, and that we, we learn how we've been uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite others to Christ and his church. So a quick recap this morning. The first thing, the first fishing style is relational. Look for those meaningful conversations that move past surface level conversations. We have enough of those. You know, every Sunday morning we come, and, and I'm guilty of this. I, I'll probably lead by example in this area, not in a great way. You know, you come into church, and it's like, hey, how are you doing? How was your week? Good. And you just kind of pass by. And, and, and that's understandable. Sometimes you don't have the opportunity to have a long conversation. But if you're here today and you're extremely relational, look for those opportunities. Look for ways to have meaningful conversation. And then with the end goal that you can share the hope uh, that, that is in Christ, the living water that's offered through a relationship with Jesus. Be available when people need a listening ear. The second fishing style is gatherings. You know, I would encourage you guys, as a church, use this season to invite people into your home. It doesn't matter if it's messy or clean or, or, or whatever. I won't name names, but we had, we had someone that recently said they had a room in their house that was messy, and it wasn't messy. <laughs> it wasn't, but I like to give this person a hard time anyway, just because I can, and just say, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to come over again because that room was just too messy, <laughs> you know. It's really about the relationships, guys. Invite people, uh, church people, invite non-church people. Have fun and be, be yourself. I think some of the best encouragement that I've, I've received from mentors that I have in my life, guys that have preached for 30 plus years, 
one of the things that they all said before coming was just be, be yourself. You know, and I would encourage you as well, just be yourself. Not everybody's going to like the way I dress or the way I talk or the way I raise my kids. That's okay. Remember, I'm here to please Christ. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. Just be, be yourself and allow God to take that original personality that he's given you and continue to mold you and develop you into the person that he's ultimately created you to be. That's the thing I think people look from the outside in and think that when you become a Christian, you become this weirdo. And in a lot of ways we are. But that, that you completely change the person you are. And we are a brand new creation. That word new is like completely brand new. But God doesn't take out the, the personality traits and the things that he's uniquely given you. That's part of who you are. Use those things to influence and invite, to have gatherings. And then finally, caring and serving. Church, I want to just, I don't know that I need the elders' approval for this. I think that we need to be the most caring church in this area. I think that should be a part of our mission. That we would be known for the way that we care for people and the way that we serve people. That is part of the mission that God has given us. And we do that together. Sometimes God gives us opportunities to do that individually. But how cool is that when we get to come together and use the gifts God has given us to care for and serve the people that he's put in our lives? You don't have to have all the answers. Just be present. Look for opportunities to meet needs. You know, that can be in and through the local church, parachurch organizations, or just in your, in your life. And if you need help, if you think, I, I, I love people, I want to care for people and serve for people, but I don't know how, come talk to us. Talk to myself. Find someone with a name tag on, all right? And, and we have those for a reason now. Uh, we want to, everyone give Gary a hand this morning for getting this done. Gary, they look great. <laughs> they love it when I single them out like that. <laughs> I just got the finger, that, that finger, not the other. <laughs> I had to clarify that. <laughs> So, but man, we can have fun as a church. We can be involved and be engaged and be active. And if you just have questions about how you can be more involved and engaged, ask someone that's on staff, ask an elder, ask someone in a small group or, uh, you know, this church is small enough that just find someone. I'm sure they can help you get plugged in. We want to provide that opportunity for everybody. So discover your gifts. Um, we're going to talk about that in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, find your fishing style you know, and, and focus on that. It doesn't mean that you don't ever do the other things, you know. I'm more of a relational person, but that doesn't mean I never care for and serve. That's part of what God's called me to do as well. And it doesn't mean, even though sometimes I, I wrestle with it, I also need to have people in my home as well, all right? So we, we, we utilize all of these different things. You use different kind of uh, bait to catch different kind of fish. You do. So how can you start using your fishing style today? How can you start being engaged and involved today? Well, I would say that it starts with prayer. You know, that's not just a cliche thing that we say in the church. Um, prayer should never be our last resort. It should always be our first. And what we've done is we've provided a, a, a prayer wall out in the foyer. And we have these prayer cards that have three blank spots on them. And I would ask that you make the decision today, if you haven't already, to write down the name of three people in your life, in your circle of influence, that you know need a relationship with Jesus and need his church. Write those names down. Uh, that's going to be private. Nobody's going to ask for that. That's just for you to put in your pocket and, and to pray for those people periodically throughout this month. And then to pair with that, we have these cutouts of, of fish. And uh, we, want you to, we, we don't want you to write the names of people on those fish, but to represent every person that has a name written on that card, we want you to hang up one fish. Uh, you do this as individuals, as families. Your kids can do this. Uh, you, can, you can just get involved. And, and again, I want to call someone else out this morning. I want to say a huge thank you to Angie. Um, she put in a lot of work and a lot of time getting that ready for us. And again, that's just another way that you can serve and be involved 
And uh, I don't know if she likes being called out. I won't do that if she doesn't. But um, we're, we're so grateful for, for everything that you guys do. So today, make the decision to do that. Before you leave today, fill one of those cards out. Pray for those people. And, uh, and then hang a fish up. And then we'll see that grow over the next weeks. And that will be a great representation for us every week that we gather. That th this many people are being prayed for. That we are influencing and inviting. We're accepting the mission and the call that God has given us.